This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. I haven't thrown you in a while. I wanted to. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show. Each episode, you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and also check out the subreddit at r slash obsessive viewer. And also, tiny, we didn't talk about this before recording, but uh, we're going to be at Starbase Indie. Yeah, we are. In a few weeks, yeah. Man, it's coming up. Yeah, it is. Like three weeks from today. Nice. Uh, For our listeners, we will be at, uh, come see us at Starbase Indie uh, for another summer movie preview panel. Uh, It's tentatively scheduled for 10 a.m. on Sunday, November 29th. Uh, The panel will be moderated once again by Starbase Indie's Mike George, uh, who you can hear moderating last year's panel on OV85. Um. And again, that's that's November twenty ninth. That's that's a tentative schedule on the website. Uh, they have a pocket schedule that you can download and check it out. Um, and also worth mentioning that on noon on that same day, a uh, friend of the show, Kate Chaplin, will be recording a live Kate's Take episode on Star Trek: The Motion Picture. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, so for more information on Starbase Indie, go to starbaseindie.com, and we hope that we see you guys there. Um, that was a fun was, time last year. It was that conversation we had with uh, with Mike uh, mm-hmm. was, I mean, it was just fun. Like, I mean, it's oh, it's yeah. something that maybe like we should do more often. Right. I don't know because I mean we we talk about a lot of niche stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and we we kind of uh, disregard the big or we don't disregard the yeah. big blockbuster stuff, but. It's fun to just sit down and just you know this is the yeah. big stuff coming up. I like I like the idea of um, uh, antip- anticipatory episodes and, and anticipatory uh, discussions like uh, yeah. like previews like you know uh, theorizing and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. We should we should definitely keep that in mind. Totes. Um, Totes. And Kate's awesome. Oh yeah, she's so awesome. That's, uh, yeah, people should come out for that. She's a, she's got a great personality for yes. for doing podcasting. And uh, come to that early so that you can come to our 10 a.m. panel. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Uh, so speaking of niche topics, this isn't really a niche. Well, uh, we're today's t- for today's episode. We're doing something a little interesting. Uh, we're going to be discussing. Uh, well, in a bit, we're going to be reviewing the Leisure Class, which is. Um, uh, an HBO Films movie that was uh, the product of the latest season of Project Greenlight um, on HBO. It just premiered on like November the second or something like that. Okay. So as of this recording, it was a week ago, and uh, it came at the end of a season of Project Greenlight, which showed uh, the trials and tribulations of uh, director Jason Mann who was selected and who won the contest and was selected to direct uh, the movie, uh, which well, I'll actually get into that in a bit. Um, it's kind of interesting this episode because we've both, we've both watched the leisure class, but I've watched uh, project Greenlight. So we're going to, what I'm hoping is that this will be an interesting discussion when we get to the review of the leisure class, because I have the perspective of the season's worth of project Greenlight um, in my brain before I watched the leisure class and Tiny's going in pretty much blind. So yep, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. But first, I want to bring up uh, Project Greenlight just in general. Um, 
Tiny, you said off the air that you haven't watched any previous seasons of Project Greenlight, right? I have not. I've seen one of their movies, but that's it. Okay. And that's The Battle of Shaker Heights? Yes, which I liked very nice. much. Yeah. Um, my history with uh, Project Greenlight is kind of not really interesting. It's not as involved as I want it to be. Um, for context, uh, Project Greenlight seasons one, two, and four are all on HBO Go slash HBO Now. Um, season three isn't on there because it's uh, it was on it moved to Bravo for that season. Huh. So okay, yeah. So I don't think that's available anywhere really. But quick rundown: uh, season one of Project Greenlight uh, was in two thousand one. Uh, 2001, 2002, and uh, the winner was writer-director Pete Jones, who wrote and directed uh, the script that they selected in the competition, which became Stolen Summer, which I think had uh, Kevin... Uh, um, Kevin, usual... Kevin Pollock? Kevin Pollock, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, so then season two moved on to... Uh, what they did was interesting. They they The contest was for a writer and director, so... It was a first time, or I think it was a first time writer who wrote the Battle of Shaker Heights, and then the directors went and directed the movie. Uh, then season three um, had the writers uh, Marcus Dunst, uh, Dunstan and Patrick Melton, who I believe went on to do like the Collector and the Collection and oh, uh, cool. Saws four through like six or seven. Damn, however many there are, I'm not sure. And director John Gulliger, they directed and they made Feast, which actually had some success, I think, and actually had some straight to DVD sequels, stuff like that. Oh, okay. So that's the history of Project Greenlight. I, I really, I've only watched season two um, w- with the Battle of Shaker Heights. And I remember specifically that that was back in like 2002, 2003. And that was like when I was, how old were we? When we were like we? 15. Yeah, like 15. And that yeah. was like when we first like, like w- w- the internet was new to me. <laughs> we started uh, we started refining our tastes as as movie film, that movie buffs and stuff. Exactly, and yeah. that's why I really liked watching Project Greenlight because that kind of it was a peek behind the curtain. And I remember specifically like seeing the con- the first episode and seeing the contest winners, and then seeing that um, the Battle of Shaker Heights one. And like I went online and I I actually downloaded the script because uh, I think they had it online like through HBO or whatever. Or they might it might have just been like a, a a site that had that had the scripts available, um, but I, I downloaded the script and actually read it from beginning to end, and then watched the rest of the season, and then watched the movie, um, and that was a really interesting experience. Yeah, um, and the movie was pretty good. Um, we've talked about it before um, at some point, but um, but for this season of Project Greenlight, they only picked a director. It was interesting because for the the executive producers, some of the executive producers on the project were the Farrelly brothers. And what they did was they had, they had filmmakers bring in short films or submit short films. And then they called that down to like 10 or 15 finalists. And then they decided on the winner, which ended up being Jason Mann. And, um, I'll just really briefly touch on some of the short films that the, that they had, cause they're all available online. I'll put a link in the show notes to a, to a, um, a link to a slash film uh, article that com- uh, compiles all the all the uh, um, all the shorts and everything, but I watched four of them. Or actually, I watched five of them. Um, and there's some there were some interesting ones. This one called Less Than Zero by Arturo uh, Perez mm-hmm. was <laughs> it was fantastic. It was kind of like a um, a it was kind of like tailored to my interests because it was just a, basically a guy talking to a woman who he's seeing and um, basically doing the math of how, how uh, 
how small the number of men in the city that they're in um, are compatible with her to be her soulmate, basically. Wow. And it kind of, it's intercut between scenes of them, of their relationship. And it's really, it's really well done. Hmm. Um, that's probably my favorite of the ones I saw. Um, but not the one that really probably deserved to win because it didn't, because that was interesting. I'll talk about this when I get to the actual Project Greenlight, but they were, the, the project was a Fairly Brothers, um, produced script by a, a writer who I'll talk about here in a bit. Um, that was a broad, a really broad comedy. Um, so I don't think that judging from that short film that that would have fit there. But anyway, the other short right. films I watched were, uh, where do you want to eat? Which was just kind of okay. Um, by Ashley Barnhill. And they, she had a, uh, co-director there that it was kind of a weird bit in the show. I don't know, but, uh, living with jigsaw was probably my favorite by, hmm. by this guy, Chris Cappell. Did you watch that tiny? I didn't, but I, okay. I, I watched like half the first episode of project Greenlight. Oh yeah. And they put in snippets of the, um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the shorts. And I was like, I really want to see these. Yeah. It's fantastic. And they're like all available on like you, uh, YouTube and, and on the project Greenlight Facebook page and all that stuff. Um, uh, but it's, 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 it's really funny. It's about a guy who lives with, uh, Lives with like the, uh, the jigsaw puppet from Saw. Yeah. So it's like basically the, the scenes that they showed in the, in the, uh, in the TV show were, um, were like him saying like, uh, like jigsaw saying, Hey, I, I can't remember the name. He's like, Hey, Gary, I put, I put the keys in, <laughs> I put your car keys in, in, uh, your dog. And now you need to, you need to cut them open with the, any of these, uh, utensils from this drawer. If you want to, if you want to get to work on time, <laughs> Jesus. And then the guy just sits down at the table and just exhales. Um, <laughs> but anyway, then the other, the other short film I saw was Beanie Bros, which was pretty funny. It's by this guy, Adri- uh, uh, Adri- uh, wow, Adriano, 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 uh, Valentini. Uh, it's about a group of guys getting ready to go out for the night who they've, they're all wearing beanies and they're trying <laughs> that to looks decide. so funny. To it me. was really funny. <laughs> and they're all trying to like decide who gets to wear the, who gets to wear a beanie and who, who doesn't. It's, it's really silly, but anyway, nice. So that, those were the shorts that I saw. And then also the winning short was by Jason Mann, who he made a short called delicacy, which it's, it's kind of weird. And I'll, I'll actually get into my, uh, review of the show, but it's kind of weird because they were, from the outset, they were setting up that they were going to make this broad comedy. And in the, in the first episode of Project Greenlight, they said that the broad comedy was, uh, uh, written by Pete Jones, who won the first season of Project Greenlight. Um, and it was about a guy who gets, uh, uh, stood up for, mar- stood, uh, stood up on the day of his marriage and then marries a prostitute. And so, so the winning, the winning short film was by Jason Mann. It was called Delicacy. It's, it's just this really weird, but well, well made, uh, short film about this guy who is at a restaurant and, uh, the waiter brings him an exotic piece of meat. And it, from there, it's, it's a very strange, it's very strange. It's like, it, it it's weird that that, got selected as the winner because that is not in keeping with the broad comedy that they had set up in the, in the script. And that makes me call into question some of the stuff about project Greenlight. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so after the short, after the short finalists, they each were given, they were each given a thousand dollars and they were, uh, and, and a month to direct one, uh, one scene that was written by the fairly, uh, fairly brothers, uh, uh, revolving around speed dating. Um, and I watched a few of those. I watched, uh, Jason Mann's, which which one obviously um 
it's dark and it kind of concentrates on an intense loneliness of the mm-hmm. characters and the world of speed dating and that it was, it was funny. It was, it was unique. It was interesting. Um, and then I watched Chris Kappel's, uh, take on it, which was probably my favorite cause it was, uh, the male lead was just so quirky and, and it really depended on him. Um, and then finally I watched Arturo Perez's, who's the one that made a uh, less than one in the previous segment that I talked about. But, um, his was interesting because instead of having like it's a group of guys that are going on speed dating and instead of it kind of sub- subverted the expectations because it was just old men going <laughs> and it was really interesting. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um so anyway, so so let's get into actually talking about Project Greenlight. I'll uh I'll I'll run with it there. <laughs> I actually have a question. Oh, it, go ahead. Are uh are Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have they been involved with every season? Like are they are they like actually involved with making the decisions like on the show and everything? Not really. It's it's okay. interesting. Like um I got the sense in season in in this season that they're basically kind of they're they're executive producers. So they're not like the they're not like the the head producers of it like like Effie right. Brown was in this in this season, but mm-hmm. they're like kind of consultants and they're kind of brought in whenever they're not filming born or batman gotcha um, <laughs> but it, it was kind of funny because whenever and they pop up pretty frequently throughout the throughout the season mm-hmm. um but it, it was it was pretty interesting it was funny because people were like uh like when ben, ben affleck came in there <laughs> uh what was it um i can't remember what i can't remember what it was but it was like oh yeah you look, oh uh uh he was uh they were like wow wow ben you look really buff and really beefed up and then he's like yeah i had to get in shape for this sh- for the project green light <laughs> like that's that's pretty funny nice um but yeah so that so they kind of they don't have like hands-on on the production or anything like that but okay. they have they they they're brought in like they there are times in the season that they um are brought in to consult on it and stuff like that gotcha and kind of guide um uh, the director and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak to the previous seasons. I'm not even sure if they were involved with season three because it went to Bravo. Um, right. Okay. They may have been, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so what I found interesting about it, about project Greenlight, was I, I, a few things. There was, um, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A staunch, uh, non-supporter of reality television. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. And, and what's interesting about Project Greenlight, the reason that I give it a pass is that it gets a, a it, it's tailored to something that's really interesting to me, obviously, filmmaking and all that. Um, and I kind of get the sense that there's some doctored and, and there's some, there's some kind of, um, it, it was hard to tell whether what, like, what was fabricated for the, for the show and what wasn't, mm-hmm. um, because there were some things that it wasn't at that pronounced as, as you would think, that, think it was, but there were a couple things that kind of felt like, kind of felt like they were, they were kind of maybe making more of a big point on it. Like, um, I think spoiler for the first season or the first episode of the season, but, uh, the second that they announced that Jason Mann won, like he, like he immediately, like he immediately started making demands. Like he said, mm-hmm. like he, like he said that he, uh, uh, he, he said that he, he's like, I want to shoot it on film. And he said that he wants to get rid of the writer and get someone else. The guy who wrote Boys Don't Cry. Um, it's random. Yeah, which is very strange. Cause that movie was hilarious. Right, right. <laughs> um, 
and it was just kind of it was kind of strange and it kind of felt like like okay they've built up this char- this 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 guy the director mm-hmm. as being a guy who's unconventional and, and doesn't and he kind of has a dark sensibility and stuff like that which makes me think like why the hell did they pick him in the yeah. first place like why that which leads into the second episode in which uh, there's a conversation between him and the writer, Pete Jones, who won the first season of Project Greenlight, um, that they kind of, uh, and maybe this is blowback from the diversity issue thing, which we can talk about here in a bit, but, um, so he's talking, he's talking to the writer and he's like, Hey, you know, I made this short film called The Leisure Class. Um, it, it wouldn't, and I had, I wrote it into a feature. Um, we can take that instead of this, of the script and do that. And like, it's, it's so weird in the editing because it's like Pete Jones, like, looks like, like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, Mm -hmm. really? Like, he looks like visibly like just annoyed by it. And then the next like scene, they're having a meeting with, with like HBO and with, with the producer and stuff like that. And then Pete Jones just completely switches it, and he's like, yeah, "I read it last night, and it's really good. We should really do this." So, hmm. I, like the way that it all the way that it all happens, it makes me wonder if they if they kind of went into it with the with the expectation, like, "Okay, well, we have this we have this script about uh, that the Fairleys helped write, or the, or that Pete Jones wrote with the Fairleys, and and all that stuff. Uh, let's just have that be the script for the contest, and then I don't know. It kind of maybe I'm." Maybe I'm jaded and cynical, but it kind of feels like they were saying that um, they were like they kind of conceived that okay, Jason uh, Jason's gonna win win the contest, and then we'll just make his movie instead of this one. Like maybe that was part of the yeah part of the build up to it. I don't know. It's that's all conjecture. Conjecture. It sounds scripted. Yeah, like yeah. Someone came up with it. Yeah, yeah. And like the original script title even was was not another pretty woman, <laughs> which just seems I don't know, but. Anyway, so so the season overall was was actually really good. Um, Effie Brown, uh, she was the producer of the movie, yeah. And uh, I had a really interesting perspective of her that, that shifted around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very highly publicized about the diversity issue that happened in the first episode. Did you get to that point? I did not. Okay, so it was really blown out of proportion yeah and i can't and okay i'm i'm a 29 year old white guy (laughs) so i can't speak like i can't like take the i i I don't know i don't i don't know it's an awkward thing to bring up but basically the thing was that in the original script not another not another pretty woman um the sole the the only uh, uh, uh minority character was a prostitute who, as Effie Brown pointed out in in the episode, gets hit by her white pimp. Mm-hmm. So, so like that was a very big like sticking point with her, and like it was a really weird, a really weird scene in the in the documentary because it was basically she was saying that um, they were they were trying to pick out or trying to figure out who who to pick for the who to pick to win basically out of the finalists and. She kind of said that um, I think we should really consider uh, someone with some diversity to the project because my main concern is that the only that the only minority character in the script is a black woman who is a prostitute and gets hit by her white pimp, which is a totally valid yeah valid completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matt Damon's just like he's he all he said was that. Uh, 
he points out that the only director of the of the ones that they have left is a pair uh, is a is a uh, directing team who also happen to be like like they they're the only diverse ones out of out of the finalists which maybe that's a problem in and of itself mm-hmm. but he was making the point that those two directors um were also the only ones out of all of their interviewing with the other ones who didn't have a problem with with uh the way the script was written mm-hmm. and like everyone else had it like immediately said like oh i have a problem with this uh, uh with this aspect of the of the script and everything and then like a big point of uh picking a director is to uh not have just a guy or a, a man or woman who's just going to be like uh just gonna be like okay we'll just shoot it as it as is they, they want a collaborative process and everything. right yeah yeah so he said we cast diversity in the movie not in the show and hmm. that like got a such a like like a gaspy response from effie brown and i was like and then from there it was it was spun on the internet as matt damon interrupts black woman to t- to tell her about diversity and i was like <laughs> Okay, uh he kind of had a good point in yeah. context like right. I mean I get it but it's also like he I don't know it, it's such a such it felt like such a knee jerk like internet reaction mm-hmm. to it and it was such a like taken out of context I I yeah. it bugged me it bugged me Like most things on the internet you need to read the whole thing you need to read the whole article or not just look at the right. headline or you need to see the entire episode or, yeah. you know it's it's one of those classic things people don't have attention spans anymore and so they they put in five seconds of something and you feel like you get the whole story and you really don't Right right so it's not that I saw it or anything I don't yeah. really I know nothing about it but based on what you're saying that's what it sounds like Right right Tiny's wearing a, a Nazi swastika shirt. That's weird. Um, no. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. There's a skull on there. Oh, that's your is, Days of the Dead shirt. It's my Days of the Dead shirt. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, um, so yeah, so we won't harp on that anymore. There's, I'll put links in the show notes to articles about it and stuff. It's unfortunate. Um, it is. It's kind of, I don't know. In, it, it just kind of, it just kind of bugged me. But anyway, um, so, so there was a lot of a big sticking point in the in the show, though, as it went on. That like, uh, Jason Mann was a very interesting director for this. Uh, he seemed really adamant about his. He, I, I kind of went back and forth. Like he insisted from the beginning. Like he's like, I want to shoot this on film, no matter what. I want to shoot this on film. But it was like like the producer Effie was telling him like we like that's going to cost like an extra $300,000 Jeez, out of, and it's a $3 million budget and they didn't have like, they just didn't have the money. He ended up having to, Oh, that's a spoiler. So, um, he insisted on, he insisted so much on shooting on film. And the whole time I'm thinking like, dude, you are on an accelerated, an accelerated time frame. Uh, just shoot it digitally. Like yeah. just, it, it would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like as it went on, like there were there are scenes where, um, particularly one scene later in the season where uh, Ben Affleck is talking to Lena Mato, who is the president of HBO Films, I think, or maybe HBO itself. Um, but he's like the big boss of of the of the show, and he like they were talking about it, and it kind of really put it into context for me because Jason is a director who sticks to he has a very specific vision, and mm-hmm. he sticks to that vision, and he. He like fights tooth and nail 
for to to get what he wants from it. And that kind of like in the in the uh film versus digital thing, like he like he he won that battle, spoiler alert, it was shot on film. And uh it, but then on other ones he gets like it causes some problems. And it's really interesting to see those problems like play out. Like he uh like they they struggled really hard to find a location and uh mm-hmm. and that had some ramifications it's really interesting it, it go if if you have inter- any interest in it check out project Greenlight. it's on hbo go and hbo now but um it was interesting and and effie also like she she was a very big personality like i mm-hmm. i kind of wonder if that was intentional for the sake of drama in the documentary or if they were, or if she's just, if that's the kind of personality that she needs to have to be a producer in Hollywood. But it was very off putting. Um, but like there, like there's a problem in post-production during the show about, um, the, the woman character and Fiona in, in, in the, uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And like, she expresses her concern over it. And by that point, I'm just like, Oh my God, just give it a rest. Like you're way too, like it's, it's in her demeanor. Like she's too, aggressive aggressively something like there and then there's another there's another point i can't i feel like i can't speak to this without being uh i mean it's i don't know i don't know it like she made a big a big deal about having uh having a, a, any people of color in a servant role in in the movie mm-hmm. like cast in a servant role so i was like and that makes perfect sense cuz the movie yeah. is about like upper class people and stuff like that. And she mm-hmm. doesn't want to see them. Uh, she doesn't want to see minorities in a, in a servant role in it. Like, because right. that's casting that that's playing up stereotypes and tropes, even if it's a little bit, I can respect that and everything. Yeah. But she saw like one person, like a, a black man who was uh, cast, a, who he was just a driver. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he was like, he has like one scene where he drops someone off at the house and like she was like, no, I'm not gonna like she was very aggressive about that. And all I thought was like, okay, like we only see that side of it. And I'm just thinking like, maybe this guy's really excited to be in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> and so I, I mean, we don't get any more of it. But I'm just like, I just imagine like, okay, what if this guy's like really excited to be in this movie, and then his 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 role is completely cut, or his he's his job is taken away from him because he because of this controversy that she uh uh brought up it was just really i don't know and that's that's such a it's frustrating it is and i can't like we can't we can't talk about it in full because i don't know the full context of i didn't see like any fallout from it or anything but i don't know so stuff like that just kind of bugged me and it seemed a little much i I guess um Hmm. but yeah so anyway so that that's project Greenlight season four it's on hbo go and hbo now um I really enjoyed it. And man, just watching this made me, cause they, HBO Go and HBO Now have, uh, seasons one and two on there. So I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to go back and watch the first two seasons cause I was really into it. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I want to watch it definitely next time they come back. Um, yeah. I just, I love the concept too. Just the idea of what they do. I mean, it's amazing. Think about how many throughout human history, how many artists who were, you know, there could be some, you know, uh, Picasso's out there and there could mm. be some Scorsese's out there who just never get a chance. Yeah. And and I think I, I like to think that maybe a project like this could find one of those kinds of artists and put a spotlight on them and give them a chance to really shine. Um and, and this show has that potential. So just yeah. just the concept of it, I I'm so behind it and think it's a really great idea. 
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> this is this is. Uh, I, I, I'll preface this by saying I did enjoy Battleshaker Heights, but, um, I haven't rewatched it since I saw it. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But I was, uh, my immediate reaction to that or my response to that, Tiny, is to say maybe someday they'll make a good movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. Which that can lead us into our review of the leisure class. Yes. Um, the plot description for the leisure class, according to HBO, is a charming con man's scheme to marry a wealthy socialite come, uh, comes unraveled when his wild and unpredictable brother arrives on the night before the wedding. Uh, directed by Project Greenlight season four winner Jason Mann, the film stars Ed Weeks as the sneaky William Rooney who desperately tries to keep the ruse in his real identity under wraps over the course of one crazy evening. So tiny. I've been talking a lot. Um, <laughs> Uh, what did you think of the leisure class? Uh, I did not like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are definitely some good things about it. Um, I thought all of the acting was really good. Nice. I, I, I thought the, the, the main character, Ed Weeks, uh, playing William slash Charles, uh, he was good. He had that very, um, that very debonair, posh Englishman thing down very well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, his brother was, again, pretty good. Uh, Tom Bell, the, the actor, playing leonard um slash dean was uh was the fun super eccentric sporadic crazy brother um he played that part relatively well um for me the standout was bruce davison as the senator (laughs) um he gosh i just loved his progression throughout the movie um there's a part where he gets drunk and things come to a head uh, I just I loved his performance throughout all that. I, he's he's a well seasoned actor who's mm-hmm. been in tons of things, uh, a character actor, um, which I'm a big fan of. Um, he he just he was just fantastic. Um, and then there's this whole other the whole other female side of this movie. The there's the three sisters, including the the oldest who's getting married, mm-hmm. um, and the wife. Um, everybody just I think really nailed their performances. Um, so I was really pleased by that. Um, there was some genuinely funny comedy. I really liked, um, I, I liked, uh, some of the, the very, uh, the, the witty British humor that's like the, mm-hmm. the witty banter back and forth between the two brothers. They're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to, you know, hold, uphold this ruse they're perpetrating while at the same time kind of putting each other down and like poking fun at each other for the ridiculous thing they're doing. Right. Um, I thought that was funny. Um, it, it got pretty old pretty quick, but uh, it, it was again. I think it was uh, demonstrative of the the quality acting of these these actors involved in the movie. Um, that was good. There was some God. There was some really good situational comedy. Uh, like I said, that everything comes to a head, and there's about to be violence, and there's just this prostitute who just raises her hand she's like can i say i'm so glad we're being all honest with each other and everything like i laughed really hard when that happened um there's there's some examples of some quality comedy uh uh, throughout the movie Mm -hmm. um and it looked pretty good i i I enjoyed the some of the camera work was was kind of clever uh nothing amazing but I, i appreciated some of it the uh you could tell there was definitely like a filter on it, some kind of color palette that the director was going for. Yeah. Did you think the lighting was kind of off? In it the it was. Okay. I agree. It was. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it was still something I noticed and uh, appreciated to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's really all the positive things I can say about it. Right. Um, maybe it sounds like a lot, but um, I, I really did not like the 
the erratic, um, the erratic nature of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you just jump right into the story, and I feel like there's a lot of details that are just kind of just kind of hang there and you can't really yeah pick up what they're putting down like it's just they don't not that you know you have to hit everything directly on the nose and just just tell us what's going on but like i, I had no idea he was a con man yeah like, until i read the synopsis after i watched the movie i was like <laughs> oh he was a con man i thought he was okay um i thought he was just trying to get himself into a job or mm-hmm. i don't know i mean he did say he was trying to get some money from him but i I don't know. I thought it was. I, I thought it was through legitimate means. He was just trying to get money from his organization or whatever. I don't know. There's like there's one scene where after uh, after after uh, uh, Leonard the the brother uh, comes in where they're they're in they're in like uh, a room like he he rushes them into a private room and he's basically it's an exposition dump of like yeah I've been working to do this and all that and I was like that's it's it's not. It wasn't built up properly. It was just basically like, yeah. this is the story that we should have spent the first five or ten minutes of of the movie telling you mm-hmm. uh, or showing you. Rather, we're going to just dump it here instead. Right. I, I felt like that didn't fit. Yeah, that well. I, I didn't. I mean, it, it just was not clear at all. I knew he was obviously doing something dishonest, right. but I didn't realize he was a con man full on. I thought he was just trying to like kind of weasel his way into a job or something. I, right. I don't know. It was just unclear. Um, and uh, that kind of erratic filmmaking and storytelling just just permeated the entire movie. And mm-hmm. I, I thought it was just not conducive to good storytelling. I, I, I think it, it was weird that such a unique filmmaker had had this such a such a unique style. Mm-hmm. He would choose such a formulaic story. Yeah, because I mean, this is just a class. You know, my wacky brother shows up to my wedding. That's right. like, I mean, that's like, uh, that that that's I've seen. I feel like I've seen that before. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I don't know. That's the plot of the Adam Sandler movie, basically. <laughs> um, what was that one where he's? Uh, uh, that's my boy. That's my boy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's basically the same thing. It's a little yeah different details. It but. reminded me of like. In, my best in, friend's wedding. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, wedding crashers a little bit. Wedding, yeah. Like it felt, it felt like that, but with like British con men, right? And not really that clear. No, um, not at all. It was, yeah. So I, I feel like, I, I feel like th- this guy should not have made this movie. I mean, right. it, it doesn't seem like it's his kind of movie. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see. Uh, delicacy. That's his short, right? Yeah. I didn't see delicacy, but based on the little snippets I saw of it, it mm-hmm. seemed very quirky and very, uh, very unique. Yeah. Um, and 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 super stylistic to his set of eccentricities mm-hmm. as a filmmaker, and that's great. You know, he needs to be. I think it's good when a writer, director, filmmaker just completely creates their own story and writes the script and directs and produces it. That's great. But, and this was his script, right? He came up with the story. It was, uh, well, I think that I don't think he wrote the short that it was based on, but I think he adapted it into the feature. And then he and Pete Jones, uh, work together to revise it and stuff. So he's actually a co-writer for it, basically. Gotcha. Um, It just doesn't seem like his kind of story. Yeah. I I don't know why he would choose a story like this. Um, And and that's that's speaking from very little exposure to him. But uh, I think it kind of 
tells you how obvious it is that he should not have made this movie. Yeah. He needs to do something else. Um, I, I don't know. I really didn't. Uh, I, I really did not feel like his style meshed with the story at all. Um, Absolutely. And it, it was uh, that again goes back to just it, it felt weird that like he was chosen for this project from from Project Greenlight. And then when when like the original script, he would not have fit to direct it, judging from his style of, mm-hmm. of the short films that I saw um, through Project Greenlight. And then he brought in the script and it doesn't even really feel like his his script. I mean, it's out of left field, really. Sort of, but and maybe we're being a little reductive of it because it is kind of, it is kind of to his taste. Because like, if you see Delicacy, it's it's a really, and he says this in Project Greenlight, but he he uh, is a fan of, um, I forget the way that he phrased it, but it was just basically uh, meshing meshing genres a little bit and kind of kind of leading into a different like darker tone. So it's like like in the leisure class starts at, like starts out as a kind of broad comedy, mm-hmm. um, and then just kind of slowly gets to a point where it's it's very dark and very uh, um, like a like dark humor in the in the yeah. basement scenes particularly. Mm, yeah, um, which but, I I really like that whole scene. That was yeah, me great. Too. Yeah. yeah, I'll give yeah. him props for that. Um, I will say that the prostitute, um, yeah, she pops up out of nowhere. Yeah. She and it's it felt it's she did not fit in the movie. Very at all. forced. Yeah, very forced, and and yeah. it completely dropped the what was building up between or what was what was established between um, uh, uh, Leonard and uh, the sister, uh, the younger sister. Yeah, like there was like they they basically hinted at like oh they're going to have something there right and then it was just gone and then a prostitute's there for comedy mm-hmm. um though i did like that scene where she raised her hand and yeah that's that really that funny was, that was really funny but yeah. um do you mind if i go now with my yeah i mean okay. the, the other thing i'll say is just i thought it was re- relatively well structured how he um he brought out the dysfunction of this family yeah because they seemed like this very pres- like the kennedys you know mm-hmm. like an east coast powerful family old money Lots of power and attempting to establish a political dynasty, which yeah. he actually uses that phrase in the movie. Um, <laughs> I thought that was all revealed very well and then, or established very well, and then it was revealed how dysfunctional they are. Yeah. Uh, through this rift in their family with these, these con men or this con man. Um, that was, that was pretty well structured and I appreciated those layers to the whole family overall. Um, and again, the acting. I really liked the acting a lot. So yeah, I thought Tom Bell was the standout for sure. Um, okay. I actually, I I actually thought that he didn't steal it, but he he carried it well. Like he carried that quirky character really mm-hmm. well. Um, he was actually he actually played the the equivalent character in the short film actually. Oh, okay. Um, and I was really <laughs> I was really excited about Ed Weeks because I'm a fanish of uh, the uh, the Mindy Project. Oh, is he on that? Uh, yeah, he's he's one okay. of the co-leads, I guess. He's a good-looking uh, man. He is a very handsome gentleman. He's he's pretty. Yeah. Um and I do want to mention that uh Dave Chen from from the uh, Slash Filmcast, he tweeted that like this I I really I thought this was really funny. He tweeted after watching Leisure Class. He said, "Watching Leisure Class after Greenlight is like seeing a good friend practice hard for a recital then fall on their face during the solo." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Which yeah, I I kind of agree. The movie didn't really work for me that well. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it like you said, Tiny. It I I really liked that the big dramatic moment. Um, 
was it was like it built toward it as if it was going to be the uh downfall or, or the the emotional crux, uh, crux of uh the brother characters but instead it turned out to be about the family and, yeah. and all of their just craziness and their demons and all that i mm-hmm. really really appreciated that yeah um and i really liked the i liked how uh leonard slash dean uh i liked that he was just basically a de- a destructive force for the wealthy family. Like it was kind of an anti one percenter kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh, or anti one percent kind of thing. Um, but I really, I thought the script had so many problems. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, like you said, I did not, I, I did not, it it was not clear like in the beginning, like in having watched project Greenlight, where they talk about the plot a little bit and they, they like, they talk about how they're establishing plot and all that stuff like that. Um, I was still like, okay, well, okay. So why, why doesn't Leonard like, like William and why, why is there a rift between them? Why is he, why is he there? Why is he, why is he wreaking havoc? Like there's a scene where, yeah, like there's a scene where the Butler comes in and he's like, someone has defecated on the Bentley. Yeah. And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, Wait, why did he take a shit on the Bentley? Yeah. I, don't, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't piece it together. So I just thought that it was really, really, uh, really strange and really peculiar the way that it was written. I didn't think it was written well at all. Um, and it sounds like, it sounds like a lot more of the comedy landed for you than it did for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of, I thought it was okay. I thought that the, the comedy stylings of it was, was kind of okay, but it kind of, I wouldn't say overstate its welcome, but um, I think it was just so off-putting that I didn't know that I didn't know the clear motivations of all the characters. Because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't even know, uh, I didn't know, I didn't even know, like, I couldn't even tell if uh, if uh, Ed Weeks's character like actually genuinely loved Fiona, or right. if it was all a ruse, or or what. Like, it that was not communicated well at all no um and that kind of bugged me mm-hmm. um yeah and i mean yeah and just and like you said i also couldn't couldn't really piece together what exactly william was up to like what what the actual what the actual through line of his of his arc of his <laughs> what his plan was mm-hmm. um yeah so i don't know i i thought that it was i thought it was well done uh, enough uh, visually at least and seeing the behind the scenes of it yeah. um, in the lead up to it kind of made it, made it a little more, uh, made me respect it a little more. Uh, cause I yeah. know, like I knew the work that went into it to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, there were some things that just didn't, just didn't mesh well with me. Like, and according to project Greenlight, they were kind of rushed for time in the writing and the revising and everything, but it still just didn't like, it still felt just, flat um, yeah and uninspired really Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i feel like when you do dark humor you really have to establish your darkness mm -hmm. if you will uh and 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 the movie just couldn't do that because there's too many silly hijinks comedy going on yeah like the 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 scene we keep referring to with the climax in in the Mm -hmm. basement that establishes the darkness because you have a powerful u.s senator pointing a gun at people is he a senator he is a senator. He's a senator. Yeah. yeah. Okay. See. Yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that you have this powerful, rich. It would be like it would be like it would be like Ted Kennedy mm-hmm. pointing a gun at two dudes in his basement while he's drunk. I'm not entirely sure that that hasn't happened. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Anyways, yeah. Yeah. But it, that, that's the equivalency of it. And I was like, holy! I was like, wow, this is crazy. Right. And then 
like we we referenced that joke again where the the prostitute just raises her hand you know that's brilliant well i don't know about brilliant but very good situational dark comedy it's brilliant for this movie for this movie yeah you establish you establish that darkness and then you throw in this out of left field hilarious moment mm-hmm. that's what dark comedy is to me i i'm not an expert or anything but that's what it is to me and for this movie there was that moment and maybe <laughs> one or two others and everything else was just trying to blend it with silly hijinks like a Farrelly Brothers movie, uh, which yeah. just did, didn't mesh with those other scenes, in my opinion. It was it was really just a mess. Yeah, it was very... It, it was not very focused at all. No. And no. A, lot of the, a lot of the plot elements kind of seemed more like, okay, well, we just need to get them to this point so that this can happen. And it was like... Like there's a there's a there's a um an escapade to uh to go to a party and then that leads to them leaving the party and then something happening that kind of propels them into the into the third act or into the latter half of the movie mm-hmm. and it just felt like it felt like it even even scene by scene like Ed Weeks's character and 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 his fiance in the movie. Uh, they have a scene together and then like the next scene that they're together in, it's a very strange, like kind of different dynamic mm-hmm. and it wasn't very clear or it wasn't very, uh, cohesive. Uh, and it just kind of felt like more in service to the plot and to get them back on the road and back to the house basically. Right. Um, so there were some, there was a lot of script problems and I mean the movie had I watched, okay. Had I watched this without project Greenlight, without anything, in context or anything like that, I'm, this would not have been a movie to review on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. Right. But, uh, we're riding the coattails of slash filmcast. Um, yes, we are by accident. So is there anything else we really need to say? Will this be gracing your DVD collection, Tiny? Oh, hell no. Blu-ray collection? Uh, hell no. <laughs> uh, not even pirated collection. <laughs> not that I really have one, but, right. uh, um, I, I I'm disappointed in HBO films because they've put out <laughs> some really great stuff that I have just like championed to no end over the mm. past couple of years. Um, check our past episodes. Right. Um, I put one of their movies in my top 10 last year, um, I think, or this year. Which one? Um, God, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> um, geez. The oh, mo- uh, The Normal Heart? The Normal Heart. Thank you. Yeah. I knew it was something with heart. Right. The Normal Heart. Uh, one of the better movies I've seen in the past couple of years. I love that. And it's just unfortunate that this is kind of lumped into the same uh, subcategory, I don't know, as as the leisure class. Yeah. It's just a bummer. Yeah. And I, I'll be very curious. And I do plan on going back and watching seasons one and two and then watching Stolen Summer and the Battle of Shaker Heights mm-hmm. to, see how it, to see how they match up. Because my memory of the Battle of Shaker Heights is that it was – it was a it was a very well done or fairly well done uh, uh coming of age story and I don't think that it like my memory of it is not nearly as bad as my uh experience watching the leisure class. Okay, yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm kind of curious how that and I've never seen Stolen Summer, so. Yeah. I I wanted to keep going though. I'd like to keep keep doing the show, keep running this experiment because I think something great could happen from it. It's got a lot of potential. Yeah. And I, I love, I love it as a concept, um, mm-hmm. for sure. And, um, also stars has a show called the chair that I've heard a lot about, which I, th- I don't know the specifics of it. I think it's essentially the same thing. Only, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's essentially the same thing, but I know it's a competition, um, about filmmaking. So 
I'm going to check that out and I'll report back on a later episode. But um, I, I meant to look up and see if they have plans for season five of Project Greenlight because this was, this was their first season in 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah, because this was like their revival season. So, Dang. Yeah, so I don't know. Between that diversity controversy thing, say that <laughs> five times fast, um, but between that and uh, the leisure class, like not doing well. No. Um, like it's rated as a 4.0 on IMDb right now. Yeah. Um, between that, I don't, I mean, I, it would be, I'd be curious to see if they do do another one. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the critics and stuff have, have like there was one, I don't remember where it was, but, um, there was one up there, there was one review that just, uh, said, uh, Project Greenlight is 0 for 4 with the leisure class. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, but I do, I do think that it's a great, a great showcase. And I mean, some of the, like some of the short films that I, that I saw from, uh, from it. Uh, like those are like cr- people that I'll, I'll be very curious to see what they do in, in the future. Yeah. Um, and I've liked a couple of their Facebook pages. Nice. Um, so I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, or hopefully they'll do something in the future. Cool. Um, I think that about does it for this week's topic, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. Um, let's put this to bed. All right. Well, um, yeah, so yeah, that that's our topic for the week and we're going to go ahead and transition to Potpourri, tiny. Yep. Uh which for first time listeners, Potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good. Basically anything that we've watched lately, anything that we're looking forward to, any news or anything like that. So it's just basically a Potpourri of of topics and everything. And I think I I have two things and tiny you have one and an anecdote. So why don't you kick us off? Yeah, uh, the the anecdote I thought I'd share with our listeners because I was like really proud of this. <laughs> um, I my girlfriend and I went to a Halloween party and it was uh, close to her hometown. Uh huh. Um, and so we stayed with her parents all weekend, and um, they just got a, a brand new sixty inch four K television. Nice, freaking unbelievable! Like I'm putting away pennies right now to get one. It's so <laughs> such a cool TV. Um, and so yeah, we were up there on Saturday, so we were watching some college football. Sports is a great way to test out, uh, watching a sports game is a great way to test out how, the capabilities of a television. Right. So we watched some of that, but then we, like, we, we, a bunch of the good teams had a bye week, so there wasn't really that much good football on, so we ended up switching to some movie channels, mm-hmm. and we came across Titanic. Okay. And she, like, loved that movie when she was a kid, just like a lot of young girls did. Right. Um, and, and I, I like that movie. I know you have your qualms with it, and you don't like, you don't really like uh, James Cameron and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, brief tangent, and we'll get back to you. <laughs> I did say at one point, I think I said jokingly or aggressively in an early episode of the podcast, I referred to James Cameron as a hack. Yeah, you did. Which, yeah, that's not accurate. No, <laughs> I, uh, he, I respect his, his contributions to filmmaking, and while I don't appreciate his storytelling quite that much, I do recognize that he is a very... Uh, influential and talented filmmaker okay right um yeah so anyway anyway see i i liked i liked titanic too i was a fan of it as a kid i still think it's a movie to watch um (laughs) so we we ended up just watching the whole movie and so my girlfriend had this line basically as we were because we were we both seen it so many times we were basically just kind of poking fun at it Mm -hmm. and like and like making fun at the silly love story and stuff like that that happens so, over like two days and she can't trust she right yeah yep yep so we we were just having fun with it and so we get to the part where you know 
they make love for the first time. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, it's in the like cargo hold of the ship, and they actually do it in a car that's in the cargo. You know, get oh, the I hand, remember. Tiny. The, the, the windows are all steamed up, and you get the handprint. Classic, classic. Yes. And so <laughs> right before that scene, they're in the car, and... <laughs> And I'm just like, you know, like I said, we were joking around. I was like, they're going to do it. <laughs> and she she says this line, and I was like, I love her. She goes, she goes, yeah, they've got f- in their eyes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Good God. I was just like, it was so out of left field. Oh, wow. It was so funny. Like, I just, we had to, like, pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. Jesus. Just the way she said it. Sorry for cursing, but no, it's fine. Yeah, I'll be uh, having bleeping out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. I that's was so good. proud. <laughs> Jeez. So that's my little anecdote. Nice. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll clean it up a little bit with. Uh, <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't know, but uh, my first potpourri se- segment is uh, <laughs> about a movie with two characters who had in their eyes. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> No, it's a movie called Two Night Stand. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Are you familiar with this movie at all, I Tiny? am not. Okay. So, uh, yay upon like a year, year, year and a half ago, uh, I remember seeing on IMDb like a, a trailer for Two Night Stand and mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't like click it or anything, but I looked at, or I didn't watch the trailer, but I remember reading the synopsis and it's basically, um, <laughs> Tiny, you know my tastes, so you'll, uh, you'll, I'm curious to see your reaction when I, when I say this. So basically it's a movie starring Miles Teller and Anna Lee Tipton Uh as a man and woman who, uh, have a one night stand. And then when they wake up the next morning, they find out they're snowed in. Oh my God. So they're stuck there. Wow. So it's a rom-com. Yeah. And it follows, it follows kind of the tropes and kind of follows the formula of a standard rom-com. But, and I, it's worth mentioning that today is, uh, November 9th. It's actually Anna Lee Tipton, Tipton's birthday. Um, happy birthday, Anna. Yeah. You'll never She's listen to this. She's one of our this. listeners. She will never listen to this. Oh. Um, <laughs> But the movie was actually really, really fantastic. Nice. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. And I <laughs> think that people might judge me for that. Nice. Like, it's, like, um, so basically it's, it's a really, it's a really well constructed, uh, romance story between these two characters. Cause these mm-hmm. two characters, these two characters meet. They each, like, it's i don't know how else to describe it other than the day that they spend together uh the day after they've hooked up um in a in a one night stand scenario like they each have their their baggage and everything uh his isn't really revealed until later in the movie but we're introduced to Annalie Tipton's character Megan um as someone who has uh gone through a breakup who uh her fiance and her and she broke up and she's been uh, kind of just mopey about that for like a year or something like that. So she decides to go online, uh, create a profile, and then uh, hook up with a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the the setup of the of the plot and everything. And like little flourishes that made me think like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be actually really good. Um, mm-hmm. Happened in their first interactions online because uh, it kind of does the the standard like. Uh, like she she types on her computer and then it pops up on the screen for the viewer to see and it's like it, it, she 
it's kind of a quirky like like oh i'm gonna say this uh, like uh, she says at one point like she types out do you want to have sex with me and then she says like she erases it and she's like no that makes me sound like a robot <laughs> and like they have like a very brief like back and forth and like it's a it's a nice like witty banter kind of thing and it's just it's like it, like that's when i knew like like the uh the way that the humor of that's of that happened like uh he gives her his address and then uh she's like do you mind if we video chat so i make sure that you're not uh it's not a murder done or something like that and then <laughs> like he responds with uh sure let me just take off my mom's dress <laughs> and like and it's all just on screen like and, and typed out and i'm like yeah. this is this is this could lead to something really nice and it really does like there's uh their entire day together where they where they spend the next day is filled with just sequences of them bonding and kind of the uh it really sold the chemistry of the two of the two leads and and it really sold the uh budding relationship between the two characters and like there's one there's a really wonderful scene like i actually stopped i actually paused it and then tweeted out that uh like tweeted that it was a really strong movie and all that stuff um because there's a really great scene about in the midway point of the movie where uh they're both (laughs) they're both in like a makeshift fort um with like bed sheets and stuff like that yeah okay and they're yeah um i, sw- I swear it's a good movie tiny <laughs> I, I bet it is yeah. and they're uh they're kind of they're listening to music and they're eating snacks and stuff like that and they're talking and then a song comes on and it's like i mean i think i may have fallen in love with annalee tipton in, in the nice. same yeah because she kind of gives him these these like doe eyes and uh, or, or she, not even, she doesn't even give that. She starts kind of like not, uh, nodding her head and stuff like that. And then, uh, she's like, she says, um, you, you don't want to play this song. And he's like, uh, why not? And then she's like, because I love it. And, uh-huh. uh, and then she gives him the doe eyes and then, uh, he's, uh, she says like, if you play it, I'm going to dance and, and you, you can't see me dance because <laughs> it'll destroy you or something like, something like that. Yeah. And it's really, it's really well shot and well edited because she starts dancing outside the fort and he just sees like, like not really a silhouette, but like he turns, like he turns the light a little bit. So like down a little bit so he can see like through or or up a little bit. I can't remember Mm -hmm. because I'm dumb. Um, (laughs) but it's like just the way it's like, it conveys really well, like the emotion of the scene. And from there it's, it goes into some interesting avenues. They, they have some interesting discussions and all that stuff. And it's, it's, I don't know. I'm I'm such a sucker for this kind of movie. Like yeah. I heaped praise upon uh Sleeping with Other People, which was another rom-com that uh this one that one came out this year and I I I stand by that review. It basically I still think it's this generation's uh uh When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. But but uh, uh Two Night Stand is not quite that caliber, but it is uh definitely a strong a strong movie uh that I really really enjoyed. It kind of it kind of gets a little wobbly in the in the last act, like the the kind of, I mean, it follows the kind of standard rom com formula, which it's hard to break out of that anyway, unless you're, uh, uh, was it Mark Webb who did Five Hundred Days of Summer? I believe so. Yeah, um, which I need to watch that again. But anyway, um, uh, for context, for me and rom coms, I watched uh Five Hundred Days of Summer, like that was my most watched movie like two years ago. Yeah, like I watched it like on average, like probably seven or eight times mm-hmm. the whole year but anyway it's a great movie oh my god it's so good i liked it very much it's amazing but anyway so two night stand it kind of leads to a to the kind of the resolution of some of the conflict at the end is like i'm i didn't buy it like i didn't mm-hmm. buy the i didn't buy that 
characters would behave in a certain way, but I was sold so hard on the relationship between the two that I was able to forgive that shortcoming in the, in the, in the final moments of the okay. movie. Um, so with that slight blemish, I still thought it was a really strong movie and, uh, yeah, and I believe that our friends at the nerds, uh, the, the nerds you're looking for podcast, I think they may have trashed it like a, oh, really? a few, maybe a few months ago. I can't remember. Well, um, so I have a question. So they're snowed uh, in. They're snowed in. Elaborate on. So is it like they physically can't open the door to the home, or it's like yes, they they're in an apartment. Okay, and uh, imagine it like my apartment, tiny. Like okay, um, th- say I don't have this balcony. Okay. And like the one door to my building, uh, like that's the basic setup of, of that, like that, that structure of that. They, okay. he's on the second floor. He, get, they go downstairs. The one, the one door to it is like, it's iced over basically. Okay. And they just, they can't get through it. And then it's mm-hmm. a, it's a massive snow, snowpocalypse kind of scenario. So okay. it, it just builds upon that. So like they, they can't, they physically can't leave. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. this is. I was like, she can't just trek through some snow and get a cab or something. No, no, no. It's they're physically trapped. Gotcha. Okay, that seemed like a bit of a weak link to me. Right. Okay. Tiny is the uh, resident. uh, He's he's not a he's not a wimp when it comes to snow. No, not. He has some. uh, (laughs) It's hard to impress him. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to uh, get him to buy into. It'd be hard to snow me in. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Whereas I have a. I have a rear wheel drive car. I need to get my tires changed. Anyway, oh, um, bummer. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So what, I think it sounds. I'd like to see it. I think it sounds good. It I is mean, currently on HBO Go slash HBO Now. Love me some Miles so, Teller and some Annalie Tipton. Me so. too. Stay away from her. Me too. <laughs> I'm um, taking Maddie. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, and and they're they're both so charming in the movie. It's nice. uh, it's really it's really good. I I I got I really enjoyed it. Cool. Um, so, Tiny, your uh, next slash first thing. Yes. Uh, for Potpourri this week, I have uh, the soon-to-be perennial classic San Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I decided to watch it just because I was in one of those moods. Like, let's just put on some... I want to see some fall over and right. some stuff crumble. And I want to see the rock flex. And I want to see him be un, unrealistically sweaty. <laughs> I don't know. I, is he is he dripping with spray? No, he's ah, not. Damn it! And really, they did not like emphasize his physique as a as a physical beast of a man. Um, That's right. Doesn't he play like a kind of everyman helicopter pilot or something like that? Sorta. I mean, he doesn't do any. He for the most part doesn't do any like ridiculous feats of strength or mm-hmm. you know just he he's not uh he's not his character from the fast franchise okay um so uh, anyways i i was just in the mood for one of those kinds of movies um and uh, i just went ahead and rented it from uh uverse uh which is my cable provider um and uh i i had very low expectations going in cuz i mean it just looked like a uh, uh roland emmerich movie mm-hmm. you know and and like uh, i was like i it, it's probably going to be terrible but uh, whatever um so i watched it and it, it was pretty much what i expected it was not um there's nothing really special about the movie um <laughs> it's it's pretty much exactly what you expect there's a bunch of earthquakes it's a pretty from what i understand a scientifically uh inaccurate um 
uh, depiction of geology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it could happen. Uh, whatever. Um, essentially, there's like a ton of earthquakes all in a row that follow the San Andreas Fault, and uh, it it affects L.A., Southern California, all of all of the eastern branch of, or I'm sorry, the western branch of California, really, mm-hmm. or where just happens to be all the major cities are. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a very Hollywood kind of movie. Um, they, re- they make all these California references that like people like us here in Indianapolis, we don't get, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're all the way up to Bakersfield now. I'm like, where the hell is Bakersfield? Is that, a, what is that? Um, yeah. And it's, 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 so it's very Hollywood in that respect. There's tons of, uh, Tons of green screen mm. CGI stuff, which I give them a lot of respect because the the actual destruction was pretty cool to watch. Mm. Um, again, as unrealistic as it is, I mean, it's literally like they're playing, they're in a helicopter and they're playing slalom with like falling buildings and stuff. Wow. Which I, I mean, I don't know, maybe a nine point five earthquake would actually do that, but it just mm. seemed a little ridiculous to me. <laughs> um, hashtag physics. <laughs> so you know, and, and it's just a, it's just a classic scenario. It's a father who's estranged from his daughter and ex-wife, and some crazy event happens, and it brings them back together, and they're trying to save each other. It's it's just a classic scenario. Right. Um, it's so there's nothing really that special about the movie to set it apart from other from other destruction semi-apocalyptic type movies like this. Um, it's just it's just like 2012 or day after tomorrow mm-hmm. it's it's not a very unique movie um i will give it credit for the female lead um played by alexander daddario does she do a good job acting she does yeah, yeah. she's, she's okay. fine uh I, I give the movie credit because she is not a stupid bimboy damsel in distress nice she actually has some knowledge and uses some of that knowledge to help save herself um she actually saves some other people like she's she's a bit of a heroine herself Mm -hmm. um she just happens to be stranded and needs help to get out so i I give it respect for that but there's just i mean there's there's so many gratuitous shots of her cleavage and she's clearly just uh they they clearly were like what is the most sex appeal actress we can possibly get for this role and that's what she was not to say that she lacks no talent because i think she's actually a, a pretty a pretty good actress mm-hmm. um but they they emphasized her uh attractiveness in the film which i don't mind right, right, right. <laughs> not to say it's a bad thing i'm just saying you know it's it's a ploy and it's yeah. really uh it, it 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 tells you what kind of movie they were going for right They're, and it sounds like it's a it's Good that they, while doing that and, accentua- and accentuating her attractiveness, like they still had a character who was able to not right. be a stereotype or anything. But like it was that. stereotypical in pretty much every other way, though. Really? The, the the dialogue was just a, was really bad. Just so <laughs> such standard standard dialogue. Um, <laughs> it was it was pretty dumb. But you know, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for one of those kinds of movies, it serves that purpose. It's it it, it was fun enough. Do you think you would have gotten more enjoyment out of it if you would have seen it in the theater? No. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. No. Carla Gugino played the mother as well. Oh, um, okay. And she was okay. It's a little, you know, you hear a lot of, um, it's kind of a controversy now. So many female actresses are coming out and saying there's just almost no good parts for women in Hollywood. Right. And, I mean, this movie demonstrates that a little bit. Like I said, the the main heroine was actually a bit of a heroine, and she wasn't just some 
damsel in distress, so I give him credit for that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like she's wearing a tank top the entire movie, and yeah. she, you yes. know, there's a tsunami, so she gets wet. It's you know, it's like it's just, right. it's blatant, it's blatant uh, yes. objectifying objectivism. Right. I don't know how to say it, but yeah. So yeah, it's it, it was San Andreas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, probably the poster, the poster actress for. Uh, uh, lack of female leads is uh, Judy Greer this year was in like three movies where she played essentially the exact same role. Really? Yeah. Ant-Man, Jurassic World, and one more. I want to say Tomorrowland. She just played a mother uh, yeah. who was like just completely just not ineffectual in, in the entire, <laughs> in each movie. Like it was really obscene. Um, <laughs> right. Dang. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And she's such a... Te- like, Judy Greer is amazing. Oh, I love her. Yeah. She's great. Um, Yeah, so I'm worried that maybe she might be, like, upset over that, and then she'll, yeah. like, go to Hollywood and... Or, like, go up to, like, the representation of Hollywood and be like, ah, that's such a long walk for a dumb, dumb reference. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I can't even remember the exact vernacular. Damn it! Um, <laughs> so take a look, because it's the last time. <laughs> we'll see these that's yeah anyway nice yeah i think uh naomi watts may have said something about like once you hit 40 mm-hmm. the only role you're going to play is like a mother yeah, like, yeah. that's it and like, it's, it's unfortunate because yeah. you know guys hit 40 and the rock is in his 40s and he's playing mm-hmm. a big action star still right it's it's, it's liam very neeson? liam neeson yeah, yeah exactly it's it really is a shame yeah. and uh yeah yeah um so get out there girls write some right write some strong female parts right hollywood in general yeah get your shit together yeah Um, yeah that was san andreas yeah cool um last up for me this will be brief because i've only seen like three episodes of it but Mm -hmm. uh the latest season of agents of shield oh cool uh yeah it's uh it's fun it's it's you know it's doing it for me it um it ended with a, a cliffhanger and not really a cliffhanger, but a, a big thing in season two happened um, that propels it into season three. And what I'm really enjoying about it, one of the big one of the big issues I had with season two is that uh, they introduced the Inhumans, like just as a concept of, of like cool. super powered alien people kind of thing. Um, and the whole time they were doing that, I was like, are, why why are they putting such a focus on Inhumans when like the Inhumans movie? is years down the line. I think now there's rumors that they're going to cancel it anyway and replace it with something else. Wow. Um, but I was just thinking like, are they like, they can't do anything substantial with the inhumans cause their movie is going to be coming out eventually and it'll be its own thing. And they're not going to be reliant on setup or characters that were established in agents of shield. So I didn't, didn't see why they were doing it, mm-hmm. but the way that they ended season two is they, they did something that really brought it to a bigger scale and they've been running with that in season three, and I'm I'm really digging it uh, quite a bit. It's it's an it's an interesting way that the show has separated itself from the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh-huh. and uh, it's kind of doing its own thing. And of course, when uh, uh, Captain America: Civil War comes out, it'll it'll be affected by that, and it'll it'll have to do that. But I really like the way that the show is kind of coming to its own as its own series. Nice. Um, yeah. So I've I've been digging that, and also. Chloe Bennett and uh, Adrian Palicki are both in it, and they're nice. very attractive. After we just talked about lack of female roles and strong <laughs> characters and stuff like that, um, I'm objectifying them. Amazing. I like that character because she's hot. Yeah. No, they are actually very, uh, very strong characters. Nice stuff like that. Um, yeah, and also there's uh, some good puns. Nice. Because Clark Gregg is amazing. Yeah, uh, he's pretty great. Yeah, I think he popped up in our 
TV Dad's episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because he's not, he's a surrogate dad, basically, to, right. the, to the team. But, and that's kind of another thing. In those three episodes, I've, I've noticed kind of a, a lack of team based stuff. Like, they're, they're not really scattered. They're all a functioning team, uh, the core characters, but it's, it, I don't get the feel of them being a unified team so much as, as these characters are, are following their own arcs in a, in, in a way as still a cohesive unit, but I, I haven't gotten enough, um, enough like team things, which was what hooked me in season one was at the, at the crucial moment in season one, late in season one, uh, that, uh, when basically when, um, uh, uh, Captain America, the winter soldier came out, it changed shield, obviously. So mm-hmm. agency shield changed accordingly. And that kind of put the entire team on like the, and on the outs with shield and with, uh, with the government. So they were kind of bonded together as a ragtag team to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like really impressive. And it feels like between then and now in season three, that was season one. Um, it kind of feels like they've lost like that kind of energy. Um, so I'm hoping mm-hmm. that they can find that and bring it back. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's Agents of Shield on ABC. It's also on Hulu, which only has like the five recent episodes on Hulu. So okay. Yeah. So I've been trying to make sure I don't get too far behind. Nice. Um, yeah. And that um, yeah, that about does it for this week's episode. But tiny. Yeah. We need to we need to figure out next week. We do. Yeah. This is something I've been trying to like. It's been a conscious effort. Um for for me to for for us to do this to kind of tease out what we're going to talk about next week so Mm -hmm. uh since we did a couple when was that like three or four episodes ago yeah something like that yeah something like that we did uh netflix picks Mm -hmm. which basically we uh picked a number and we each watched the movie or title that was on our netflix queue in that position last time we did that was um we did we watched the source family and the crow um, mm-hmm. and we reviewed that for the episode, and I was actually pretty proud of that episode. Um, it was actually episode one thirty three, so OV one thirty three from October fifteenth. But so it's been a month, and we're gonna do it again. Nice. Um, yeah, and we ch- <laughs> uh we changed it around, um, because <laughs> Tiny here has a proclivity for documentaries. I do, I do, and I didn't really want to watch the Source Family last time, so. To change it up, what we did was we picked three numbers. We, I gave Tiny a number, he gave me a number, and then we added those, those numbers together, and so we put the, the sum of that as our third number. So, Mm -hmm. the number that you gave was... 52. And I gave 57, and then the sum of that was 109. So, we picked those three titles from our respective cues, and what we're going to do is we're going to introduce them, and then we're going to pick which one the other one is going to watch, if that makes sense. Did I say that co- clearly enough? Yes. Okay. The thing is, I know nothing about the three movies that are in mine. What? <laughs> Next to nothing. Well, Tiny, I have a present for you. I uh, I got the IMDb summaries for each one. Nice. All, 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 uh, all out here. So you can introduce yours. Okay. And then, yeah. Okay. So my three movies are, uh, the first one is The Guest, which I believe Mike 
talked about at one point. I think I may have as well. Was he? Yeah. yeah. So you guys said it was good, um, and I added it to my queue and kind of forgot about it. But uh, it's uh, the synopsis is uh, a soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. After the young man is welcomed into their home, a series of accidental deaths seem to be connected to his presence. Yes. So it sounds like a fun, eerie, uh, uh, horror-ish movie. Mm-hmm. So that sounds fun. Starring Dan Stevens and uh, Mako Monroe from... She was in It Follows, and I guess he was in, like... He, was he in Downton Abbey? I do not know either of those people. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't yeah. know those names. Mika Monroe was the female lead in uh, It Falls. Okay, yeah. okay. I liked her in that. So, yeah. so. Um, The other two, Shocker, are documentaries. They are, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Which, <laughs> seriously, it's unintentional. I just have a buttload <laughs> of them in my queue. Um, the first one is called Mile, Mile and a Half. Uh, it's a documentary from 2013. Um, in an epic snow year, five friends leave their daily lives behind to hike California's historic John Muir Trail, a 211-mile stretch from Yosemite to Mount Whitney, the highest peak in the contiguous United States. Their goal, complete the journey in 25 days while capturing the amazing sights and sounds they encounter along the way. Inspired by their bond, humor, artistry, and dedication, the group continues to grow to include other artists, musicians, and adventure seekers before they all reach the summit hikers and viewers alike affirm the old adage it's about the journey not the destination mile mile and a half is as the feature-length documentary of a journey of that journey so interesting i thought that sounded kind of fun yeah <laughs> uh, and then the last one again a documentary uh called bite size from 2014 uh, Bite Size tells the stories of four kids around the country as they embark on a journey to become healthier and lose weight. All it takes is someone to believe in you and the will to try. So, yeah, it's kind of about the um, obesity epidemic and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So Sounds like a focus on childhood obesity, too. Yeah, childhood obesity. Yeah. So Cool. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go ahead and name mine, and then we can go ahead and pick ours. Okay. Um, okay, so my three were... The In-Betweeners from 2011. Uh, it's based on the British TV series of the same name. It's uh, about four socially troubled 18-year-olds from the south of England who go on holiday to Melia. Um, <laughs> uh, I've actually heard about the show. It sounds it sounds interesting, but this is the movie. But yeah. Um, and then VHS Viral, which is uh, the third entry in the VHS franchise, the right. anthology horror series. Um, I broke down like the list of directors that were listed and some of them are actually pretty interesting. Um, hmm. uh, the one that sticks out is Nacho, v- uh, uh, Vigilando, uh, who did time crimes. One of my favorite nice. time travel movies. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, he also did open windows with, uh, Elijah Wood and Sasha Gray, uh, oh. which I think Elijah Wood was just on the Nerdist talking about that recently. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so I've seen the first two vi- VHSs and been kind of mixed on both of them. So we'll see. And then the third one is Bernie, which I've heard a lot of good things about, starring Jack Black and Shirley MacLaine. Uh, in a small, in, uh, in small town Texas, an affable, uh, mortician strikes up a friendship with a wealthy widow, though when she starts to become controlling, he grow, he goes to great lengths to separate himself from her grasp. So those are our three picks, and, uh, Tiny, which one do you think I should watch? Um, I'm going to go with Bernie. Okay. Cause nice. I, I have it in my queue as well and I've been meaning to watch it. Nice. Um, and I thought it's, uh, seeing the previews, I thought the cast was just awesome and it looks like it had this really fun, quirky style to it and mm-hmm. sounds funny and awesome. So I'm going to go with Bernie. Nice. And, and I'm glad that you picked that one for me because, um, 
uh, Jack Black was just recently on again, the Nerdist. Um, and I have such a weird, a weird relationship with Jack Black. I, I'm not, mm. I wouldn't call myself a fan. I've always kind of find him, found him a, a little bit overbearing. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really watched much of his stuff and I've heard a lot of really good things about, uh, uh, Bernie. So, and so my pick for you to watch Tiny, uh, this is a tough one. Two documentaries or yeah. uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick The Guest, uh, <laughs> nice. which I'm actually really excited for you to watch because I really, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's also from uh, the – it's from director Adam Wingard who also did uh, – what was that movie called? I know uh, – You're Next. Okay. Uh, did you ever see that? Yeah, I talked about it on here. Yeah, okay. I was the dissenter. I didn't. I thought it was okay. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't. Oh, this will be interesting then. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's 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 our picks for next week. Next week we will be reviewing Bernie and the guest. And uh, I'll just I'll go ahead and throw this curveball out here. But if you're listening to this before Monday, November sixteenth, and you would like to hear at least me review either the Inbetweeners or VHS Viral for my potpourri section. Uh, tweet me at obsessive viewer or check, uh, check in on the Facebook page at, uh, facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and let me know and I'll watch whichever one you guys pick if you guys are listening or if anyone responds. Um, Fekus, I assume that you'll, uh, reach out to me. So hopefully we'll get one, one, uh, <laughs> reply. But yeah, yeah, just, uh, that'll be my potpourri for the section for this, for that episode is either VHS viral or the in-betweeners, uh, <laughs> depending on our listener feedback, which hopefully actually happens. That'd be awesome. Um, it would be very awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, other than that, and also Pat, you should, you should definitely, uh, contact me too. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll just go through all the people that we know listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, aka our friends. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, then I think that about does it. Um, yeah. Is there anything else we need to discuss? I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we will be back next week with Bernie and the guest. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. And which became Stolen Summer, which I think had a uh, Kevin. Uh, um, wow, what is his name? Um, Kevin Connolly? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, uh, is Kevin it Kevin James? No, uh, the, uh, he does. Uh, oh my god, I can't read House Arrest. Um, Andrew Kevin usual Walk. Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. There you go. Nice. Yeah, House Arrest. Why did I say anyway? Um, <laughs> that's... I was about to say Andrew Kevin Walker. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so then season two. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at OVPodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter 
at ObsessiveViewer, at ObsessiveTiny, and at IamMikeWhite. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.